0: G'day there, it's Jason from Vendorable here. I thought I'd give everyone a little bit of an update on the property market uh, in the context of what we're seeing both on Vendorable and also what we're reading in the press. Uh, and I thought it might be useful just to go through a few of the reasons why what you're reading is is not necessarily helpful in terms of decision making. Um, but you know first caveats uh, i 'm not a financial advisor. this is not financial advice. You should speak to a financial advisor, someone who is authorized to give you advice on the property, your lawyer, your accountant, your tax advisor, and any other professional advisors okay, so now we 've got the disclaimer out of the way let 's chat uh, property so Uh, This is primarily geared to discussing the residential and commercial property markets in Australia, Um, but feel free to uh, comment with what you're seeing in other markets. Um, But again, this is mostly focused on Australian property. So let's chat residential. So there's a couple of things we need to talk about. The first is uh, leverage versus unleveraged. If you're in an unleveraged residential property right now, then you're likely to go into the category of people who do not need to sell and will not sell. Uh, you know, Fundamentally, you might have a lowering of yield and you might have tenants who look to try and reduce their rent, uh, but you're probably likely to drop out of the market as an available and willing seller. If you're in a leveraged residential property position, then you might have some issues with regards to covering your uh, debt. Uh, You may need to switch to interest only uh, and your rent may still cover the payment. It may also not Um, But there's a big difference here, which is investor versus owner-occupier and that is where uh, the big sort of uh, change in policy is from the government. So largely between the government, APRA and the banks there is no tolerance for recoveries on individuals for the next six months and this may extend into the next 12 months and although this is going to impact bank earnings there's a fundamental reason why this is being done because a run on property would actually create more sellers than need to sell so with that in mind if you're an owner occupier who is in a leveraged position uh you know having been granted a six month reprieve on your payments principal and interest and it appears that these are not deferred to be added to the back of a loan but are in fact being forgiven and or even if they are added to the the loan term, you're not penalised and there's no extra interest capitalised in that period. Uh, That's very generous. So don't expect too many residential owner-occupier forced sales. So again, in terms of residential property, big difference between leveraged and unleveraged and a big difference between an investor and an owner-occupier. Now, for investors, Uh, there's a big difference between people who bought prior to the last cycle and people who have bought in this cycle. Most of the older investors, negatively-geared investors, who may even have clicked to being positively-geared in the last few years with rents going up uh, and having not refinanced, you know, the older investors are sitting on a lower cost base such that if rents are reduced, their cash-on-cash return is actually probably higher than what current yields would imply. So again, the available pool of potential sort of forced sales in inverted commas or people who are willing sellers is a lot smaller than you would think. Someone who bought a property for $300,000 that was renting out at $300 a week that subsequently has increased in value to a million dollars and might be renting out for five dollars or $600 a week might appear to have a poor yield. But the fact is that over the last 20 years that they're likely to have paid that loan down uh, and even if they haven't, they can absorb a rental drop from that five, six, seven hundred dollars a week back down to the original three, four hundred dollars a week without too much of an issue. Uh, and certainly, if they moved to interest only, that wouldn't be a problem. So again, the available pool of sort of forced or people who will be having to sell, uh, people who might be in co-ownership arrangements, divorces, deceased estates, um, and investors who are leveraged. Uh, and have no option for supporting that cash flow or maybe they've lost their job, um, you know, in the current situation. But the government is also providing generous support with regards to that for both businesses and also for individuals. So again, shrinking the pool further. What will happen in the residential market though is that with the uncertainty, uh, any sellers who don't have to sell are not likely to sell. And this will, this will often be faster withdrawn than what you will see on withdrawals and purchases because purchases are often associated with changes in circumstances such as having a child, getting married, moving out of home, uh, life milestones that can't be moved by choice necessarily. Whereas sellers, they don't have to sell and we saw this before the last election where Uh, Individuals who didn't have to sell started to withdraw from the market in the context of being worried about where they might move to and what might happen with their property uh, should there be a change of government. We also saw a withdrawal of buyers. Then what we saw after an unexpected uh, win by the Liberal National Government was a return to the market of buyers with increased confidence and a slower return to the market of sellers. So while volumes increased over time, they did not increase uh, such that they would keep up with demand. Now overlay on the top of this, the fact that uh, home building and construction has fallen off a cliff. And with that, there's even less housing supply going to be built through the next six to 12 months uh, in the context of the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic. All of that to say that uh, there's while there's potentially a period of contraction, there's also significant price support factors uh, and or simply vacant uh, volume uh, that will mean that price determination in the residential real estate market is quite difficult. And I should mention here as a side note that property is not like the share market. So in the share market you typically have ordinary shares in a, in a company and every share is the same as every other share, it's homogenous. Uh, that's not the case in the residential real estate market and although supply is limited as in there is a certain number of shares on issue if you look at most of the larger companies there are millions of shares on issue there are not millions of properties on issue in each particular suburb so therefore not only do you have thin trading you have const- constrained supply at the best of times uh, in markets like say sydney melbourne and brisbane uh, s- especially for ha- you know detached Um, you know, freestanding homes and and semi-detached homes separate to apartments. And even with apartments, again, you have to construct them and they take time and planning requirements. So it's not as simple as turning the housing stock tap on. So that's a little bit about residential. Uh, Why don't we move on to commercial now quickly Um, you know, so I can keep this under 10 minutes for you guys. So in commercial, let's chat about leveraged versus unleveraged again. And then this time let's chat about privately owned versus funds. So first of all, if you're in an unleveraged commercial position, you would be a rather unique owner. But if you are in that position, you are not a willing seller, nor are you a willing landlord. And so you are likely to leave your property vacant. Uh, so you're not really going to provide downward price pressure by selling your property. If you are a leveraged, um, and sorry, that goes for private, privately owned and fund owned, although it would be odd for funds and REITs to own commercial property without debt. That would most likely be an older uh, private owner, private investor, private fund, maybe an NSMSF without debt. Um, that would typically be unleveraged. So now talking about leveraged property, privately owned versus funds. So a couple of things. Funds, let's talk about them first. Likely to cancel distributions. Uh, Funds uh, typically have a reserve to accommodate for this sort of stuff. And funds can call on uh, members and investors for additional capital to be raised to support or pay down debt. So they're in a much better position to hold on through assets. Uh, Privately owned, commercial property that is leveraged in a far more precarious position because they're likely to be smaller assets uh, and as a result maybe only have single or a few tenants rather than say an entire office building that spreads the risk for tenancy and vacancy Um, and you know we're likely to see a lot of empty buildings and potentially a lot of commercial property recoveries this is doubly so because the government will save small business and small business owners before they will save commercial landlords. Uh, it's less of a political risk. And more importantly, commercial landlords don't pay PLOG, GST uh, and other tax at company tax and generate jobs the same way that small businesses do. So unfortunately for commercial landlords who own property, especially in the smaller private investor leveraged market, uh, they're unfortunately not going to be the prime recipients of protection from uh, protection or stimulus from government. That being said, there are going to be pockets that are going to benefit from uh, the market recovery, especially those who will be in targeted areas for stimulus, uh, particularly around manufacturing, de-risking, de-clustering of supply chain or key assets around other infrastructure projects that just have naturally upward price pressure anyway. Um, One final thing that I just wanted to highlight uh, with regards to the property market is that uh, currently the pandemic uh, is a little bit of a different exogenous shock to what we're traditionally used to, uh, say perhaps like the global financial crisis. And this is because uh, the solution to a pandemic uh, from a health perspective is fairly well known in terms of testing, social distancing, um, preparation of a Um, uh, vaccine, uh, hospital um, staffing, boosting, you know there are a lot of strategies that public health officials and the government will work on. Now the effectiveness of which with which they're implementing them I'm not going to pass comment and I'm not qualified to to comment on that. However what I would say is it's not like the GFC where We did spend a period of time trying to work out how to restart the financial system which had not crashed since basically the late 20s and 30s. And effectively, we were trying to find the solution at the same time as navigating through the crisis. That's not the case here. There will be a point at which, in terms of confidence of the market, that in various jurisdictions, governments will declare that the worst of the pandemic is over based on fairly accurate statistical models for how many people are sick, how many people will get sick, and whether the health system can cope with the number of people who are both currently sick and going to get sick. And once the population and the business population have been informed that we have passed peak, inverted commons, then you will see confidence restored in the market very quickly. Whether or not that is able to translate into economic growth is another story. However, what it will do is potentially return buyers to the market faster than sellers can be bothered or organize themselves to enter the market to sell. And what you're likely to see is upward price pressure for all the reasons that I've mentioned previously, both in residential and commercial property. Uh, You will see it most likely in residential property in metro centers for first home buyers, much like we did after the election. Uh, and, but again, it will not be homogenous. It will be a patchwork quilt of uh, property price uh, rises and falls. Um, so again, please don't read the headlines about 10, 15, 20, 30% drops in property prices and expect that that is just going to happen across the board to your property. It's just simply not accurate. So thanks very much for listening. I hope this has been a little bit useful. I'd love to delve into some more of this for you. Um, If you have any questions, please leave them voice audio or comments below, or you can uh, contact me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash JTG Weeks, W-E-E-K-S, love to chat, or Weeksy underscore J on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks very much.